Welcome to Slauson Girl Speaks. I'm your host, Slauson Girl, bringing you world news with a South Central state of mind. Today, I will be having a conversation with Dijon Paul, who is the founder of the rap blog and magazine, A Day in L.A. We'll be talking about similar ideas that we have when it comes to where are the black people on Los Angeles hip hop radio? Hey. <laughs> Dijon, how are you today? I'm solid. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming through. Also, thank you for my palm tree tea, which is a signature T-shirt to your brand. Yes, ma'am. And you also came up with a physical copy of your Day in LA magazine. Yes. My own copy. That part. Thank you so much. Really do appreciate that. And so, where can people actually get copies of A Day in LA? A Day in LA. And right now, I'm working on getting into some like smoke shops and stuff like that. Smoke shops, period. Black owned businesses. Every month. Nice, nice. Okay, that's what's up. Well, thank you so much for that. So, let's talk a little bit about A Day in LA, which is, again, your brand, your hip hop platform what inspired you to begin a day in la well a day in la started out as a record label oh wow a lot of people don't know that but um fresh out of high school i started managing a uh, dj atron and we mm. partnered on a record label called a day in la records and we worked on his album and um we had uh nipsey hustle and ty dollar sign and a, a few other mustard a few other big artists on the project and from there we signed key riches and we started um, developing him. So it started as a label. But as far as getting into media, it wasn't until last Labor Day. So it's been a year and like a year and a week now that okay. I've been in, um, in media as a writer. Okay, definitely, definitely. And so how is how is it so far for you being a writer, curating hip-hop specific content on your own platform? Um, it's natural. Mm-hmm. It seems like something I should have been doing the entire time probably. It seems like more of my calling is probably, like, the happiest I've been mm-hmm. work-wise, at least. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's positive. It's mostly positive, I'll say that. Okay, definitely, definitely. So, in terms of hip-hop in general, who who is Dijon listening to? Um, My favorite right now is Blast. That's what I was playing on the mm, Okay. That's like my favorite. Shouts out to Blast. I know he got a new project actually out. Yeah, No Love Lost. It's like the best project. I just reviewed it. It's, mm. it's good. So Blast and Bino. Okay. Off top. That part. That's what you're putting your money on coming out of L.A.? Yeah, I feel like they're um, defining the era. Like if I had to put a face to this era, mm-hmm. it would be those two. Mm. Like I would probably put Nipsey and Dom if you was to talk about like the 2010s. Mm. I will probably put Bino on Blast. My bet for the 2000 and um. 20s. Okay, definitely, definitely. So, so we connected over, you know, some months ago, just, you know, tapping in with each other, just as black writers and creatives in the city. Recently, um, I was really tuned into something that you had basically tweeted which was you know kind of talking about the lack of black people on Los Angeles hip-hop radio you were responding to 
a tweet by um, a young Latina woman also in the hip hop space who was saying, you know, like if she was head of a radio station, she would put up these next three DJs and kind of, you know, give them reign to do their thing. Um, you pointed out that actually is the the DJs that she had named were were they like a group of diverse folks or no she um her type hypothetical was specifically three hispanic djs and she's a hispanic um female she just mentioned so she it was a biased tweet mm. and a biased hypothetical so why do you feel that that that's biased for her to say you know hey we should you know look at these three hispanic djs and think about you know bringing them into the hip-hop space well, her tweet really just exposed a line of thinking that I've been uh, calling out for the past year, which is uh, nepotism and um, bias in black music. Uh, the station that she works for plays black music. They play Snoop Dogg, YG, Nipsey Hussle, as well as a plethora of new um, Los Angeles-based artists. So why doesn't the DJs and the ad executives and the personalities reflect that, reflect those faces? Why would you name three... Hispanic people to play black music and not include at least one black name in your hypothetical. Mm. Was just, and she tried to emphasize that it was a hypothetical. And I'm acknowledging that it was a hypothetical because she's not a program director. I understand that. But you can't tweet things like that. And it really exposed like the line of thinking that they have over there. Definitely. So that really caught my attention because... That's actually something that's been really bothering me personally as a black woman from the inner city of Los Angeles. You know, hip hop is the inner city is is what bred hip hop, you know, but we have to keep in mind that in New York, where hip hop was founded, you know, it wasn't founded as what we view as hip hop now. You know, there were different moving elements, you know, the graffiti and the, the DJing and the breakdancing, those different elements that we don't really acknowledge now. But I I acknowledge that that was being performed by black and, you know, like in New York City. I mean, I'm not from New York City, but the way that I've come to understand it from back in the day, it was kind of like maybe like a Oakland pre-gentrification where the races kind of are more cl in closer proximity to each other right? right so in new york when hip-hop was you know the early days with you know dj cool Herc, you know setting up his sound system and the the parties and just the way that it has evolved now i know early on there were also you know young puerto rican kids who were of heavy influence so my thing is i'm not denying that Latino folks have a a right in the space of hip hop. Right. My thing is, how did it get oversaturated to the point where black people are barely a factor in Los Angeles radio in their own genre, you know? Right. So when um I would propose this question, um and there was actually a a, Lat a Latino man who had tweeted this like sometime early this year or last year he was calling attention he was like how is it that this state culture and they not even represent it so I had wrote an article and I kind of used you know his tweets because one thing is as black people people love to like discredit or disregard what we're saying and it's not at like all at all times at right all times. 
And it's not until like a non-black person says it where it's like more validated. So I was like, okay, let me insert his tweets because he's a Hispanic or Latin Latino man saying exactly what I was saying. That well, the, not to cut you off. No, but that's go ahead. A, that's a rarity. I like to see those tweets because normally that race sticks together and mm-hmm. they unify whether wrong or right. Mm-hmm. So I've never seen a Hispanic person ever agree with me in a public format. Now behind mm-hmm. closed doors, I've had conversations where they're. They've been like, you, you know, you're right. What you're saying is right. This and the third, but on socials or on um, a public mm-hmm. facet, never. Now, one time, can I name an instance where a Hispanic person told me that, yeah, you're right. You guys are underrepresented mm-hmm. in black music, even though you're black. I've never heard that. So that's crazy. So when you would ask these questions, what were some of the responses that you would get in terms of like, you know, why is there an oversaturation of black folks? I mean, of not of non-black people in hip hop. It's instant to shut up. Just to close your mouth, you're ruining it. You know, that's that's what it's been. It's been instant. Be quiet. Why are you talking about this? Go back to talking about gangbangers and covering that type of music. Um, just you only supposed to talk about music. I've had people tell me my platform is boring because it's too political. Hmm. Um, they just want to hear about lean and pimping. Like hmm. I'm supposed to write about that 24 seven, and I I write about those things because it's my job. But that's not all I am. Hmm. You know, I, I have a brain. I'm intellectual. And I can talk about other things, but they, it's been instantly like, just be quiet. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm sorry that you've had to experience that, you know, when I would bring these questions up, I would get a lot of, well, you know, Latino demographics, they're like way more, you know, than black people in LA. And so they're the ones that's listening to the radio. So they're going to want. I guess to listen to people that look like that like would you not support the hip-hop station if it wasn't uh Latino folks on it they wouldn't they wouldn't and that's that's my entire rhetoric is it's racist because you're calling me an entertainer you're saying I can only entertain you I can make the music to make you dance the music that you want to listen to but I cannot sell you anything I cannot be a DJ personality a radio ads person and sell you any any product sell you the music right. i can make the music but i can't sell you the music right you won't buy from someone that's not like you and that's an entity that i wish black people had because other races have that's the only reason i wish black people practice that is because mm. other races practice it they practice it to the point where they box us out of our own stuff and then you know um so basically you were responding to this hypothetical tweet from this uh young latina woman um and what were like some of the responses that that you received from that i know that you were actually blocked from a platform yeah power 106 blocked me once they saw the conversation once they saw i had got the better of her in the conversation um i was you know i wasn't disrespectful or whatnot she is a woman um i speak to women with respect i never called out her name or anything so i don't understand why i would be blocked but um yeah, the uh, response she was giving was just, you know, dance around the bush and, you know, evasive. And all I said was she owed the black community an apology for that hypothetical. Just a simple, like, I'm sorry for not including a black name. Like, she named three Hispanic DJs. Like, she could have named a black person. And maybe I wouldn't have responded to her hypothetical like that. But she made the mistake of exposing, again, that line of thinking. Whereas, we're going to come and we're going to take over black music. Just like jazz music has been took over, hmm. if you go to the Apple Music page on jazz section, it's all white faces, from the curators to the artists. And that could possibly be hip-hop in 10, 20, 15 years. Yeah. 
Um, I wouldn't say, do you think that, I don't think that there's enough Hispanic players mainstream in hip-hop for them to become the faces of it, but they basically, um, in terms of power and control, because we can talk about, like, ownership of these, these you know, stations such as, like, you know, 92.3 or Power 106. You know, when I was doing some research on it, um, you know, one of these are a Cuban-owned radio station. And so... You know, that's actually kind of like POC, you feel me? But actually a Latina girl broke it down to me and said that Cubans, um, you know, they basically closer in whiteness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it gets it gets real tricky on, as far as that spectrum, as far as who's white, who's not. And I'm not overly interested in that. Mm. I'm really interested in the bottom line of the black faces aren't there for black music. Mm-hmm. That's really the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as... You're saying that they're not as big as of a threat, probably. And I only counter that by saying maybe not on a national level in hip-hop because the South is so pro-black, so that, these type of things will never happen down South. Mm. Their radio stations are black-owned. Their radio stations do have a plethora of black DJs and black personalities. I'm saying it's a Los Angeles-specific situation, whereas in order to become a multimillionaire or to build generational wealth being the means of hip-hop, you have to appease and pander to Hispanics out here and I find that to be asinine because down south as long as the niggas fucking with you you feel me on but out here you have to appease I have to get a sour milk or I have to get a LA leakers or I have to get a charisma I have to get a stamp of approval from someone from a different race whereas they don't have to get stamps of approval from black people Mm. in salsa music and Latin jazz and Korean pop and German folk music and country music and rock music but in rap in LA, I have to get a charisma mm-hmm. or Gabe to play my record. Mm. Yeah, I know. I was, I, I be, you know, I was really surprised. I had went to, um, I, th- I think, wait, yeah, your favorite radio station, Power One Hundred Six. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking, and it's sad because these are actually radio stations that we grew up on. You know, like Absolutely. our parents, you know, riding around when we younger. This is what they playing. You know. Um, so it's it's really disappointing to see that, you know, now that we're grown, the same stations that we grew up listening to, we're not even really represented. Um, but I, when I was looking at, like, Power 106's website, um, just the, the lineup, you know, of, like, their, their DJs, um, basically... Yeah, like, I can only name one black girl on air for them, you know? It shouldn't be like that. It should be mostly black faces. And then if you want to include other races, that's fine. Because I am inclusive of other races. I don't want people to think that I'm anti anything that's not black. I'm just pro-black. So I'm I'm here asking for more black people. I'm not asking for no Hispanics, no Asians, no Jews, no this. I'm saying I'm asking for more black, pro-black, more black. Right. Well, yeah, you know, this is probably why you were blocked. Um, They had way more people. I think maybe coronavirus, they, like, slashed their lineup in half. But if you go to Power 106, you know. And then I was even surprised. I was like, you know, like, these are people that, these DJs, and they're just, like, not black. But they're, like, prominent names in L.A., you know, Sour Milk, Just Incredible, DJ Felly Fell. I mean, shout out to, you know, y'all for putting the work in. But in reality, it becomes a, like... 
people is taking up space in the culture, you know, um, pretty much at the end of the day. At the same time, and I don't want to take away from anybody's life's work, but mm. there was a True. time where Snoop Dogg had to go on um, Sirius XM in New York with uh, DJ Who Kid and complain about how LA, LA radio stations weren't playing LA music. This is like 2010, 2009. And so these were the same faces. These are the same people, the same people that you're looking at, Felly Fell, Sour Milk, L.A. Leakers, Charisma. They were on the radio then. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing black men's records on the radio in 2009, 2010. Now that L.A. is back and resurgent, they're trying to take credit for those type of things. It's like, no, we have to go around the radio stations. We have to get on the Internet. We have to be creative and be resourceful, as African-Americans have historically been. Mm-hmm. And now they're taking credit for the resurgence of black people rapping in Los Angeles. Right. You know, another thing is what I'm also seeing is, okay, we can hop from Power 106 to 92.3. When when there's these groups, you know, on air, you know, two or three folks, why can't we have a show with a black woman and a black man? You know, I, I see right. like an, an absolutely like that's just not happening. Um, we have Big Boy's Neighborhood. Where are the black women... <laughs> Black co-host, right. Black co-host. You know, what in the photo is two non-black men, big boy, and then two non-black women. I don't, you know, loosely say they're Latina, but that's a problem. You know, we have the crew show. And, and again, it's just, this is props to folks for their life work, but at the end of the day, it's also analyzing um, the crew show. Where Do they have a black co-host anywhere on there? Like, no. how is it that we can have multiple shows on black hip-hop radio and there's multiple people getting checks that aren't black people i mean that's beyond the point it's not about the checks it's about the diversity in the show well to me it's it's more so about the check it's about Mm. the, the cash flow that's coming in the revenue stream i want black people to profit from black music because this is our cash crop we don't fish we don't farm we don't uh, you can't go to a black-owned car manufacturer. You don't have, you know, our cars aren't owned by black people or made by black people. We don't own electricity companies. Like, this is how we're making billionaires. This is how we're making young multimillionaires. You attach hip-hop to uh, a car wash, a barbershop, or anything, and it becomes lucrative. Right. So this is our birthright. This is our cash crop right now, hmm. um, especially during this moment. And here you are having other races fiscally benefit from it. So I am interested in where these dollars are going. They're going into the pockets and families and, and wealth of other racial communities. They're not com- These dollars aren't necessarily coming back to black communities out west. Now, down south, we see it. Right. They're eating well, and they're doing better than we are as far as that because they don't have a radio station filled with Hispanics playing black music every day for 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. They don't have a media platforms that aren't black-owned profiting off of black music mm. as often. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, again, goes back to more black. I want to see more black people making money in spaces. Not just making money rapping, mm-hmm. but making money in other spaces such as ours. Okay, so how do we kind of get to that? Because um, somebody's story that I actually want to touch on real, qu- real quick, not saying that I know the ins and outs of his story, you know, but what... Um, what DJ Head and um, his partner was able to do with homegrown radio? Like, do you know that story? And then how was, didn't it get picked up by the radio station after that? I'm aware of that story. Yes. After they, like, basically gained success doing, like, their own thing, you Correct. know? 
Um, so again, I'm kind of, I don't know the full details, but I know that general story. I think that's, that's pretty commendable. You feel me? Um, that he was able, they were able to build their own thing and then have it, have enough leverage to basically be brought into the radio station. Well, I would like you to challenge that. Okay. That, um, just that thought, Hmm. what you just said. They were able to do something successfully independently, mm-hmm. black-owned with Homegrown Radio, which is a great platform, yes. and I commend them for that. And then it was brought in to this platform or this company that we've been talking about for the past 10, 20 minutes right. that don't do the right things. Mm. You get what I'm saying? That's a, that sounds like, to me, let's buy the competition. Mm. So if we have 92.3 that's not black-owned and we have Power 106 that's not black-owned, I was expecting as a uh, as a child because I'm still in my 20s. So when this was going on, I was a child. I was expecting there to be a third entity, a black-owned entity, as a major powerhouse. So what they all they did was buy the competition. They stopped it while it was still growing. And to be honest, the whole DJ head situation, I feel like that's more of like a token position that he plays at that station. It's it's I can see it. I just seen the mannerism of tokenism. In that mm. regard, and um, someone on his team actually, when I first got into it, my first time getting into it with someone of the Hispanic race in regards to black music was last November. Mm-hmm. That same night, he got my phone number. I've never seen this gentleman, but somebody from his team called me and said, "Hey, you have to apologize, mm-hmm. or we're gonna blackball you." What? He called me. I promise. This is on my life. Who he called you? Someone from Head's team. I won't say his name on air, but some a black person from Head's team called me. And said, hey, you have to apologize or we're going to blackball you. I spoke to nine people, power players in L.A., all Hispanic except for himself and head. So that leads seven people that are Hispanic. I won't say their names on here neither. He said, we don't know what you're doing. Be quiet and apologize. So to me, that's tokenism. It's like Fiddler, hush. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to be quiet. Don't speak on these type of things. And I've been speaking on it for like the past year and. I haven't been blackballed, but I got threats of being blackballed from someone in this organization. So I can't really sit here and commend head for something that I know. I'm not saying he participated in that, but I was told he participated in the conversation that was had that day. Well, um, with that being said, I just hope that black people that have very powerful situations going on, black people that, you know, such as yourself that are building their own brands and their own tangible parallel situations that may not today, but down the line can rival, you know, even today, you feel me? Because actually this is a great product. This is a physical product that people don't have. I know that it took a lot to get this, you feel me? So I do want to commend you on that. And I also want to say that I do see the vision of where you're going with this. You know what I'm saying? Um, we need black owned everything in LA and uh it starts with with the youth seeing the issue you know what I'm saying I think you you said your piece you know we ain't gotta be screaming it to the mountaintop we said what it is and now we coming through with action you know what I'm saying and and, uh, (laughs) black people we have to 
start doing group economics and sticking to code just like the other races because they do it so much to the point that they box you out. So there's no reason that we should be capping for other folks, period. The only principle we should be capping for is us and our culture. And the next generation of us. Next generation of us, you know. So with that being said, we need to take our motherfucking culture back, period. And... um. It, it, it's it's sad. It's sad. It's sad to not have control of your own culture. It's by design, of course. You know? And I still find joy. I don't want people. I know a lot of people think like this is all my rhetoric. I still find joy in life. I still find joy in what we're doing. I still right. take pride in um, everything LA artists, Black LA artists are doing, and I celebrate them daily on my platform. Mm. And I'm still happy, and I'm still enjoying life, but. These are just things that have to be addressed. From time mm-hmm. to time, I address them. That's right. All. And I appreciate you for doing so um, because, you know, there's a lot of group think that happens in the world. People rightfully feel in some kind of way, but they know that that's not popular opinion that's pe- pe- that people are discussing. And so people tend to shy away from that. But how will things get better? <laughs> For you, as a black person in the next youth generation coming up, how would things get better? Are we still going to play this, like, sideline, second-in-command role in our own shit? I can't blame anyone for not speaking up because I know, and I tweeted this the other day, I know these L.A. rappers still want their songs played on the radio. Mm -hmm. And I know my peers, the managers and the PRs and whatnot, they want their clients' songs played on the radio. I'm the one stepping out, or there are a few people that are stepping out on a limb, speaking up against something. Not afraid of being blackballed. Right. But if I had a record, if I was a rapper and I was saying these things, my songs would never get played. You would never hear from hear me on an L.A. radio station ever again. <laughs> but fortunately, I don't have a record to promote. I'm not right. here from on the record. Right, right, So right. I have the luxury of saying what I want to say. So they're saying, if you ever come through with an artist, it's all bad for the artist. No, I'm I mean, just kidding. I, <laughs> I'm just I'm joking. Be. It really I'm joking. could possibly be. <laughs> I'm joking. Hopefully by then we have um, just, yeah, we have just way more representation and a lot less gatekeeping. And you know what? It, I was going to bring up the role of allies in, in black people's culture, but you know what? Clearly these are not allies. These are culture vultures that have found a comfortable position in our culture and they get paid for it. There's no reason to even acknowledge anything, any of the, you know, in inequities that black people are facing. Like they don't, right. you feel me? It, it's no real need for them to, you know, because they're getting paid off of the, you know, off the culture, but I digress. So moving forward, you know, what would you like to see from, the bl- the remaining blacks that are in Los Angeles, you know, because there's a lot of us that are moving out, you know, due to the gentrification and a lot of different things, um, you know. So moving forward for the blacks that are here left, you know, fighting to survive, fighting for representation. What do you hope, um, you know, for blacks in L.A. the next five to ten Years. Oh, well, one, I just hope everybody keeps their heads up, um, stays prideful in their blackness, celebrates it first and foremost before they um, even leave the house every morning like I do. <laughs> hmm. And then from there, um, more ownership, like everybody from Kanye West to just the late Nipsey Hussle have preached recently or in past years. Um, definitely um, 
just more ownership, more entrepreneurship. A solution to the tobacco I brought today with the radio station thing is obvious. It's black radio station. Right. That would be the, I wouldn't have to say, oh, hire more black people, Power 106, hire more black people, 92.3, if we had a black radio station. Right. And as you said, we were having a black radio station with Homegrown, but they brought it. Hmm. So now we have to start from scratch again, as, as black people have done, where you have a black Wall Street and they burn that down and you got to start again with a black utopia. So now we have to start another black radio station. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to some uh, some bosses and some powerful black men about getting that started, an actual black owned radio station. Uh, free of egos, everybody just pulls together their resources mm-hmm. and um, and capital and because banks aren't going to loan to us mm-hmm. and, um, and really do it and start this black radio station since they don't want to hire black faces at these two stations out here. Definitely, definitely. So what is, is the career goals for Dijon in the, in the world of hip hop? Where do you best see yourself? Um, really being a coach more so just coaching uh, the next generation of black managers, black PRs, black A&Rs from South Central, from Los Angeles, from Inglewood, like I'm from, and just um, being a mentor to them as well as um, just continue to grow as a writer. That's my main focus. I want to be like the greatest writer ever. (laughs) I just always wanted to, to write. I just didn't do it for whatever reason. And so to be writing, I just want to be the best writer I can be. Mm. So that's my career goal. Okay, definitely, definitely. In terms of hip-hop, you know, the genre overall, what would you like to see from hip-hop moving forward? Um, I would love to see, I don't want to say native tongues, but like a native tongue-esque movement come back, whereas you have um, young black men and women giving something positive to their Youthful listeners, the average listener of hip-hop is 14 to 24. That's a very influential age. I know it. I made a lot of mistakes during those years. And um, if we had rappers and influential people spreading positivity, just like they spread the lean and pimping and traffic music and all that stuff that I listen to and that I can nod my head to and I enjoy just like everybody else. But if there was also like an alternative, Mm -hmm. somebody telling women to love themselves or telling young men to love themselves and how to respect themselves and respect their mothers and respect, you know, other women, respect other people and just respect and self-love. There was someone talking love over us as well as talking, quote unquote, the things of death, it would make a difference. And so I would like to see more positivity from young artists in hip-hop. I mean, you can still be flying do it. You can still be in a fit. <laughs> you feel me? Jungle Brothers and De La Soul and all of them were fly, mm-hmm. but they was also speaking stuff that was positive for black youth. Okay. So, where do songs like WAP fit on your, in your consciousness, you know? I mean, it's entertainment, you know, and the beat is hard and it's catchy, but it's entertainment. Um, If I had children if I had a young child female child I wouldn't want them listening to that Mm -hmm. but I would want there to be an alternative so I'm only speaking to alternative now if you want to pick that up and play it Mm -hmm. cool but there has to be an alternative there has to be popular Popular. promoted female artists that also push other narratives right and that's the media's responsibility as well as labels and A&R's and whatnot responsibility to push to select and push those artists as well and I don't feel like that's done that's a coincidence i feel that's done on purpose let's push these narratives to young black women Mm -hmm. on purpose right intentionally 
and saturate it and not give them alternatives. The alternatives are promoted right. like that, but why not? I, I just I don't understand it. You know, they had they had Latifah and Light in the late '80s, early '90s, talking about respect yourself and you're headed for self destruction and you and ity, and they had A and Rs and people that were pushing their careers. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like winning Grammys and going platinum and stuff like that, but then it just stopped. You only saw like the sexual rappers that were being pushed by these agencies and things that I won't go into today mm-hmm. uh, to young black women and young black men. And right. so it's an imbalance. And so I, I feel like we should just see alternatives. More black, pro-black, more black. Definitely. Right. Like, there's no reason why women like Rhapsody aren't given the promotional push from the labels. Like, she should. You know, her last album um, that she dropped... It was powerful, you know, but I don't I didn't really see that same level of of promotion for her for her album when in reality that that's kind of what we needed. Um, I agree there needs to be a balance, especially with the level of just different things that black America is dealing with, you know, Um, with the recent like, you know, national protests because of George Floyd. I'm glad that a lot of white folks realized what was happening, but in reality, we needed a reality check for a lot of our black folks that were asleep to what was happening or ignoring it or all together. So, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on white folks acknowledging what we're going through, but black people, a lot of black people, I feel that have platforms that have wealth that have access they weren't concerned either with like the plight of I guess poor black people because that's the ones that are really getting murdered by police it's not really like it's rarely rarely right it's you know seems to be so yeah I um I, I, I would like to see a balance one of the things is I feel that black America um it's like an arrested development because of our music that what's being like heavily promoted. The fact that a lot of black people not being aware of what we really face were faced with was, I feel like the music. And I, I personally have been saying a while that if we really want to address the issues in black America, we would start with the music kind of first, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's alter, there's other music that we can have to go and research. You feel me? Why we got to go research why we got to go research the stuff that's good for us and the stuff that's like negative is being heavily promoted because you know, it's by design. That's what they want. It's all by design. That's not coincidence. But I feel like those that of us that are more aware of that, that we have a responsibility in a sense, but not too much to the point of trying to, you know, you don't want to be preaching to the choir. Yeah, it's hard to find that happy medium between being a positive, productive black person and being successful in this line of work. Mm. Like, imagine if my blog didn't have any of the traffic music or any of the music that a lot of people, including myself, enjoy. It was only the positive rap. It wouldn't be very many clicks on there. It wouldn't mm. be a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't my platform wouldn't have the attention that it has. Right. So it's something that... You know, it's no different than Tyler Perry uh, making a billion dollars from um, cross-dressing. You have a byproduct of what some people would say a byproduct of slavery. Mm. 
But at least it's being marketed by a black person. At least black jobs are created from it. And there's some good that comes from it for black people. Right. Versus when, imagine Medea, but by a white-owned studio. Hmm. That's when you would see me protesting it. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I see black rappers rapping about violence and this, that, and the third, of course, like I just said, I would like for there to be rappers rapping about other things. But mm-hmm. if I could trace it back to a black-owned label and I could see black dollars and black wealth being generated... It's permissible, hmm. if that makes any sense. Because mm-hmm. vices are going to exist no matter your race, right. no matter your creed, walk of life. There's a vice to everything. Nobody's perfect. So as long as black people can create wealth from black vices, I don't mind it. Now, when you have like an Adam-22 who builds a platform off of black vices. Or Vlad. Or Vlad, specifically of Vlad, because he was doing it first. But Vlad, then Adam, that's like his son, in uh, exploiting <laughs> black culture. <laughs> but we know, but is it exploited? Because it's not like they putting a gun to the people's head and telling them to come on. Every time I see a new black person on Vlad, I'm like, what is going on here? Why do y'all keep going on this man? Well, he pays. He pays that's an interview. That's what I thought. That's what I, yeah, that's what I thought. Everybody gets an interview. Everybody credible to in his opinion. Anybody worth it gets an interview fee. But look, I think that also goes back to access to capital. You feel me? How is it that this non-black man who has basically ninety-five percent of his whole platform centered around black content at this point? Vlad has some capital to pay these folks. Right. You know what I'm saying? To to box out other black people. Like, you know what I'm like? Well, that four hundred thousand dollars he got in that Rick Ross settlement definitely went to good use. As well as Damn. from there he was able to invest in the stock market. I've seen him say it from his own mouth in other interviews, not Vlad T V interviews, but other interviews. Eating off he invested the culture in- like a mug. Thanks, Definitely. Rick Ross. Wait, why did he get into it with Rick Ross again? Some kind um, of fight or something? Remember when the Rick Ross oh, officer scandal uh, happened when mm-hmm. I was a child? He, him and Vlad got into it. I don't know what transpired, but somehow Vlad ended up with a $400,000 settlement. And from there, he was able to invest that into the stock market and have all this plethora of cash. So he can pay anybody $5,000 for an interview, 2500 for an interview. With, and he's going to get it there. back, too, off the views and shit. That's nothing compared to what he's getting off of YouTube views and all those ad dollars and whatnot. And the same goes back to Adam. So it is exploitive. Of course, they're not putting guns to these people's heads, but it's still, you're profiting off a culture that's not yours and you're doing it harm. You're not here to make it better. That's not your intention. Right. You're here to cover the negative, cover the dysfunction when there's a plethora of white dysfunction to cover. Mm. Why aren't we interviewing? Why aren't they interviewing? White white, artists. Not white artists, white rock and rollers. White actresses that are on drugs from the time they're kids, like Lindsay Lohan and, and shit like that, they don't cover that type of stuff. Hmm. Harvey Weinstein's and all these Hollywood sex scandals. Yeah, go but interview they, them. But you have a, a podcast where women sit up and talk about Trey Songs and Odell Beckham hmm. on a weekly basis, hmm. down talking black men or hypersexualizing or demonizing black men. Right. But they're not talking about any of the white Johns that they sleep with on a regular. Hmm. That's exploitive. Right. And that's why when I um, spoke about that, the blogs picked that up. And Selena Powell ended up getting fired from um, No Jumper because of not just my singular uh, outrage, but uh, outpour of outrage. She worked there? Uh, he was paying her to, to do the podcast weekly, the interrupted, uninterrupted, something like that. But she's been fired because that was toxic to black culture. <laughs> Super toxic. Wow, I totally missed that. But yeah, I. Yeah, I'm tired of 
the outsiders, what I, I'm going to forever call you a culture vulture, you feel me? Especially because you're not redistributing none of that money that you're making off our culture to blacks that need it when you're in the culture eating, you know? Right. Uh, do you have a responsibility to do that? Yes, I definitely think you do. Yes. Because we're talking about black people in America who have historically been marginalized because of the exploitation of other groups of people, okay? Um, yeah, so black people, stop going on black TV. I don't know, Please. like, Tiffany Haddish was just on there. I'm like, Tiffany, why are you on Vlad TV? I'm like, is it for the views? I well, she doesn't need that. She wouldn't even need your A-list celebrity. You don't even need that type of press. So Why are you giving them those type of ad dollars? Maybe there's something else on the back end, you feel me? Like, in terms of agents and press and something that we missing, you oh, feel well, me? I mean, with well, white people getting cahoots, it's no telling what's going, <laughs> what's on, going you know? on. They could have all type of contracts going on so right well how can we basically support young black folks or it don't even matter the age like how how can we box people like vlad and adam 22 out our culture it it starts with psychological um one thing i will say is every time i go at or not even go at but every time i defend pro-blackness or mention pro-blackness to these um, Adams or Rosecrans Vicks or DJ Vlad's or now Letty at Power 106. Every time I do that, it is a black male who combats me on social media. It's always a black man who sticks up. Oh, I don't mm. see the I don't see the racism. What are you talking about? They're just making money. They're just doing their job. Why can't they do that? You're racist. It's always mm. a black man. Not one time has a black woman, a sister, ever challenged me saying I want to see more black faces. It's always a black man. So I feel like there's like a psychological uh, weakness somewhere in that tandem that 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 has to be addressed first mm. because you're the, the supposed leader of black people. The black man is allowing it is allowing it. You know, I um I, I don't know who wrote this, but I remember reading it and it um, really stuck out in my mind. But they were saying that basically when Latino men in hip hop, L.A. radio, they get in, they foot in the door, they bring in they, the Latino women. Mm-hmm. And he said that basically black people need to do that same right. stuff. And so there is a black head at, I want to say, Power 106. Absolutely. Like a black head of programming. Mm-hmm. There's a black program director at that station that Letty tried to hide behind. Like, oh, well, we have a black program director, so my hypothetical is invalid. It doesn't matter. But she there's a thing that's called tokens. There, there's tokens because that blackness isn't in effect. Or right. else I would see it. Right. I would see more black faces. Right, right. So with that being said, I say just black people need to divest from all of these companies and organizations that have historically proved that they don't really give a fuck about our representation. You feel me? But yet you, we're going to eat off of you. And to all of the non-black people that are, are in hip hop culture, you need to redistribute some of that money that you making off the culture back to black people that need it the most period. Okay. As, as well as opportunities, as well as opportunities, period. Um, and if you got your foot in the door as a non-black person in our culture and you're not thinking to pull up another black person, that's a problem for me. OK, um, the culture, our culture in L.A. is already oversaturated. And it's not racist to call attention to your own damn oppression. I'm confused, period. It's gaslighting people trying to make you feel crazy for things that you know to be rightfully valid to 
bring up as a concern, you know? So I commend you for, you know, kind of just asking these questions, even though they weren't a well received from (laughs) the folks and some people in our own community. But nonetheless, these conversations they need to have, they need to happen if we want to empower the next generation of black youth. Absolutely. So, so I kind of had a few more things. I had like the LA Taco thing, but then I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about LA Taco no more. You sure? He I said, would, you I'm sure? I'm curious to, as to what the toll, like how are you feeling about it? Like how are you feeling about it? Weeks removed or at least like a month removed? Um. Well, I mean, I guess we could talk about it. You can ask me a question if you want. I want to know how you feel a month removed from it. Like, what's your aftermath? How are you feeling today about it? What are your emotions today about it? So, we're talking about a Latino presenting platform that was actually founded by white people that saw what I was doing in the community. I freelanced, like, four articles for them. They wanted to, next thing I know, they were like, you should be our editor-in-chief for a week. I did think that that was kind of odd because I'd only wrote four articles for you guys. Y'all have a whole team of people already. Um, And they're just like, let's just give this random black girl our website for a week. Um, Suspicious. Suspicious, right. (laughs) But in reality, these motherfuckers was trying to use me to validate their platform in the eyes of black L.A. You feel me? And to, yeah, like to give them credibility. And basically, I see it like... I'm out here, everybody can see, you know, from the white folks to the black folks, I am really think I'm talking to my community, but clearly it's other people watching. Corporate journalist people, people that, you feel me, you know, journalism in L.A. is not led by black people, you Absolutely. know. Um, even when these these KTLA folks and all these folks, they come to the hood, most of the time they send in non-black people, you feel me, and they don't even give a fuck that they not being diverse or whatever. So... I'm basically gaining traction with what I'm doing, independent journalism, you know, and um, I just feel, you know, a month from it now, I feel, I mean, I don't, how do I feel about it? I actually, I don't feel no way about it right now. You know, because I'm really trying to check with myself. It's not like I feel angry. I feel sad. But the situation did just come up a couple of days ago on Twitter. Um, this black website's called Two Urban Girls basically called out one of this fake Latino platform. One of their writers, they were trying to hop on the train of the Asian American woman that was basically arrested um, with when the two officers in Compton got shot or whatever, she mm-hmm. went there to cover and they basically tackled her and arrested her. So, mm-hmm. you know, Twitter is a, is an interesting thing with retweets, you know, shit can go viral instantly. You feel me? That gives you a whole bunch of followers, yada, yada. So these Fox fake Latino taco people, um, <laughs> they basically on Twitter trying to get their damn followers up. You feel me? They exploiting black LA, black deaf. You feel me? They exploiting whatever the fuck just to get they people to see that they are a news platform in LA or whatever. But do they care? Hell no, they don't care because if they cared, they would acknowledge the fact that y'all tried to defame <laughs> a writer that y'all just tried to use for credibility. And y'all not even addressing what the hell she's saying. You feel me? Absolutely. I've been tagging you. My followers been tagging you saying, motherfucker, 
address her these motherfuckers act like i do not exist yet they still come to south central and try to exploit black death for their platforms how you treat how you treat black people is how you see black people and that's what i got Mm. from the la taco situation how they treated you to me was how they see black people they don't give a fuck about us right because that's how they treated you right like fuck this bitch we're gonna put out this fake ass statement calling her all kind of bullshit that even fucking Stevie Wonder could see with some bullshit. But and we don't care. We're getting called out about it. You know, we getting tagged by not only her, but people that support her. And we just go act like we don't see none of this shit. You know, it's so unethical as a publication. And they just like fucking have a, without a care in the world. So basically, um, one of their writers who I just had on my podcast a week before this uh, uh, this Fox Taco publication did this bullshit i had him on my podcast with another latina girl a woman she's a grown woman with two kids (laughs) and um talking about black and brown relations in la and i was really surprised that they actually went so in depth talking about the anti-blackness in their culture and how based on their proximity to whiteness some a majority of folks in the latino culture will shit on black people you feel me to maintain their position and get closer to whiteness and success or whatever i would love to see that oh it's on my podcast black and brown relations you can check it out check yeah i was like really surprised that they even went into depth so mind you this is a la taco writer um you over here tweeting about wow the la sheriffs are so terrible look how they treated this journalist this asian american journalist and a black you know journalist publication is like Y'all better stick to trying to get memberships to keep y'all publication alive. Where's was this support and concern with how y'all did, you feel me, Slauson Girl or whatever. She was kept tweeting him, kept tweeting him. Then I got involved and was tweeting him. Then he finally, she was like, don't, you know, don't disappear now. And then he finally responded and was like, oh, um, I'm not the best person to talk to about this. You should, you know, email the editor or whatever. And I was just like, you know. But I understand it. Like, you know, you're a 30-something-year-old man. The only time that we heard about you was a white man using your culture, talking about his journalism, and then hired you to, you know, fuel their platform. That's the only time we didn't heard about you as a writer or a journalist, whatever. So you need a publication like a, a taco, fox-ass, motherfucking, white-owned, fake-ass motherfuckers to... <laughs> <laughs> Why is that their name? Why is it L.A. Taco if it's not owned by Hispanics? Because white people love to, like, try to use other people's shit to get money. Like, basically, it was started by one of the guy. And mind you, these people are so in the background, you don't even see these motherfuckers. You wouldn't even know their name unless you was in tune with the publication or to do some research. These motherfuckers are so in the background. But one of them is like a a food writer, you feel me? Um, And then the other one... um, founded like some company or whatever so i mean this isn't like their main i won't know i can't say that all i know is that this shit was founded by some white people they faded into the background they got the latino folks to you know be the editor which is cool i guess the face of it it, right but in reality most of the membership money and all the shit that they pushing is coming right back to them white people so my whole thing is, you know, I didn't expect no writers from um, this Fox publication to support me, even though they had just tweeted my image to their followers. Like, we're so excited about this collaboration with Slosser Girl. Like, you know, to give them motherfuckers credibility. Nobody fucking knows you. Whatever. 
And when this happened or whatever, when everything was transpiring, which are you aware of the background of the situation about like a girl tried to act like she wanted to get me hired at this NPR affiliate out here? The NPR thing I wasn't aware of. I was only aware of the gripe with LA Tiger. But when you were mentioning it, I would question like, mm-hmm. why did the NPR get involved in it? It's not NPR. It's an NPR affiliate out here. It's called KCRW. But basically, this probably confused about her identity, black girl. And this is actually the first time that I'm going to say this because she accused me of attacking her blackness before, which didn't happen. Um, but looking back on it, for you to be a black girl to go through such lengths to try to derail another black person. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous, right? But it means that you're in a comfortable position and closer to whiteness in their world and their realm. So you trying to protect whatever the fuck you got going on. You do see that there needs to be a need for more black people and more diverse voices. We see this, this black girl, you know, in South central came back from college in her community. Damn. She got the fucking skill set to do this shit on her own. We should try to bring her in. She was trying to get me hired for this segment called marketplace, which is a segment on finance it's not a segment on sharing your motherfucking opinions about whatever the fuck so if i'm hired to do a job focusing on research on finance i know how to fuck to stick to the script you feel me anyways the girl reached out told me that this was an opportunity they were hiring um moral of the story the nick cannon situation happened i made a comment about non-black people specifically some jewish folks who own production companies um you know And just a comment that this girl clearly didn't have any context for the conversation. The Fox Taco people saw the same thing and asked me to write an article on it. In the end, it became where she pulled support for the job, called me, you know, something that black people should never be called. Um, And from there, when she saw the L.A. Fox Taco people wanted to give me their website, she emailed them. And said, no, this girl is anti-Semitic. Whatever. That being said, Dijon, let the people know where they can find you at. Um, it's ADLA Dijon, D-E-J-O-N, on Twitter and um, Instagram. And a day in LA is the website, is the uh, magazine link platform. Okay, definitely, definitely. And so is there anything that the people should keep in mind to look out for you? Every month we have a, um, a new issue of a Dan Lane magazine coming. Uh, Kaylin for real, for real is on the September issue. And you can get that at a day in LA. All right, definitely. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. All right, thank you.